In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. My beloved, today is the second uh, Sunday of the month of Baba, which is the second month of the Coptic year. Uh, during the first month of the year, in the month of Tut, the church focused on us about the love of God and told us about the love of God. The second month, the church is focusing on the power of God. And we saw last uh, week the rising of the paralytic man who was brought by his four friends. So this showed us the power of God over sickness and disease. He raised this paralyzed man immediately. Today, the uh, the Lord, the church chooses for us a passage of the calling of Saint Peter, and how he told him to go and cast his net, and he caught many fish. Although he was just fishing the night before and caught nothing, but miraculously he caught so much fish that his boat couldn't handle and the net was breaking. So we see here the Lord's uh, power or God's power over nature. Uh, God willing, next week we'll hear the passage of the healing of the demon-possessed man, the blind and mute. Um, and this again shows God's power over the evil spirits. And lastly, the fourth week we'll speak uh, uh, or choose for us the reading of raising the son of the uh, widow's son at Nain, which is his victory over death. And what we find here about the power of God is that it is superior to any power here in the world. It's far superior than any power we have here in the world. For example, the power of sickness. I know with the advancement of modern medicine, we find that there are many uh, diseases that God has granted humanity the gift of healing and overcoming. Um, and we see even uh, as recently, when uh, as the development of COVID happened in the end of 2019 and 2020, this was something novel, something that was new, we didn't know. And uh, within a year or two years, we had a vaccine, and many people's lives were saved because of the advancement of medicine. But in the beginning, we didn't know. There are also those diseases that we don't have a cure for. But God, of course, has this power. For example, uh, cancer uh, is a disease that... Humanity doesn't have a cure for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all these different diseases. We can help treat and the symptoms, but there's we don't have a cure for. So we see God having this power over uh, sickness, which is far superior than the, what the world has to offer. Again, the power over nature. We saw uh, when the Lord was with his disciples on the boat, and the the, wind, the waves were becoming very boisterous, as he was in uh, the boat sleeping. When they felt that they were going to sink, they went and woke him up, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and they obeyed him. And even the, the disciples on the boat, they said, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Nature itself, obey his voice. Um, of course, comparing to human technology, and there's nothing that even comes close. What we can do is perhaps you know predict the weather, and so we can be prepared for it, and we can monitor the different weather patterns, but we can't control, you know, the weather. Uh, so we see God's power over nature is far superior to that of man. Also, the power over evil spirits and demons. And actually, in this category, there's no knowledge, earthly knowledge or human knowledge, that can give humanity this power. Humanity stands before the demons, helpless and powerless. Of course, uh, this is absent, of course, of the grace of God and the power of God. But we see by the power of God, the demons, when they face him, they fear his voice, they flee from before him, 
and they even confess that he is the Son of God. This is his power over the demons and evil spirits. And lastly, the power over death. Again, in this category, humanity has no answer. Again, through the development of uh, medicine and, and so on, we perhaps can extend people's life expectancy. But there's nothing that we can do that could save someone from death or keep someone from dying. This is a natural thing that will happen, and we can't conquer this. No matter how much we try, how much research we do, there's some, how much money we invest in this, there's nothing that we can do. This is simply a fact of life. But the Lord, as we chant, and as St. Paul teaches us uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, O uh, oh death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Christ trampled down death by his death. Um, and also, uh, we see the power of God as being unique. It's different. It's different than any power here that we have. You know, um, a lot of the early like uh, children's shows and cartoons and the superheroes uh, shows, these tried to mimic some characteristic of power. Um, for example, like Superman back in the day, he would fly. You know, this is something that God himself, of course, has not controlled by any space and time. And he can transport from one place to another in a moment, just like the angels can fly as well. Right, so they try to imitate this, you know, uh, for the uh, young children. So, but God's power is not something that can be created, recreated, nor can it be imitated. Um, for example, the act of creation. The act of creation is not just coming up with something that's new, but it's actually creating something out of nothing, creating something out of no raw materials. You know, for example, if I want to make a new phone or a cross or a Mengele or whatever, I have to have the raw materials and I use the raw materials to produce something that looks beautiful and nice. But we can't create something out of thin air, right? Or out of nothing. Even if there was thin air, at least there's air there, right? But God created something out of nothing. He created the whole universe out of nothing, right? And this power cannot be wielded by anyone uh, or um, and not cannot be imitated by anyone. We also, in the uh, in the prayers of the church, we often call God the Pantocrator. Does anybody know what that means? Pantocrator? Almighty, right? Almighty. But it doesn't mean that he's just like almighty, like Superman who's just very strong. But it actually means he's almighty and all-powerful, but he's the sustainer of all as well. So it's the sustainer. He creates the universe and doesn't just create it with an enormous power. But he's the one that sustains the universe as well. He is the life of the universe as well. Listen to what St. Paul says in Romans uh, 11. And he says what? For he, uh, God, and uh, for, for of him, God, and through him, God, and to him, God, are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. And then Origen, the scholar, comments on this verse and says what? Paul declares that God is the beginning of the substance of all things by the word of him and the bond of their uh, subsistence by the expression through him. So through him, he's the bond of everything that was created and their final end by the term to him. So he's all in all. He's all in all. 
His power is unique and there is none other like Him. The power of God is also one that He chooses to share. He chooses to share it. He doesn't hold it to Himself, but He chooses to share it with us and with His creation. The power, for example, over the wind and sea, He gave to Moses uh, before the Red Sea. and He was able to um, part the Red Sea. The striking of the rock and bringing forth water, He gave also to humanity to bring forth water from a rock. The power to raise the dead, He gave to Elisha and Elisha and many others you know, throughout the Bible. The power to heal diseases and cast out demons, He gave to the disciples. So the power that is unique to Him, He's sharing with His people. And to the disciples, He also says to them, Most assuredly I say to you, regarding the miracles that they saw Him, He says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in Me, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works than these He will do, because I go to the Father. So He says, When I go to the Father and I send you the Holy Spirit, you will do greater works than He did. Than He did. So He's saying, I want to give you and share with you this power. And if we think about what the greatest power is, we see, okay, raising the dead, healing disease, casting out demons. These are great powers. But one of the saints, I don't recall which saint it was, but he says, the greatest miracle is not that a person is raised from the dead. The person sees his own sin. This confession. When I recognize that I am a sinner, this is the greatest miracle. This is why the church and the prayer of thanksgiving tells us what? Tells us, um, for it is you who have given us the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy. For Christ has given us the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy, the demons that um, attack us individually. Also, the power of God uh, is manifest in His ability to bear with humanity, His long-suffering with us in our sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came to take away our sin despite our rebellion, despite our, you know, not wanting Him or rebelling against His commandment. Isaiah um, uh, says this in uh, Isaiah 53. He says, All we like sheep have gone astray. So we are like sheep who have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we have turned away from him, yet the Lord Christ still comes and bears our iniquity on his own shoulder. What great love is this, my beloved? And St. Paul echoes the same thing when he says, God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This ability to bear with our weakness, and bear with our rebellion, and be patient with us for not a day, two days, a week, a month, a year, but for years and perhaps an entire lifetime. The right-hand thief lived his whole life away from God and in rebellion. And in the last moments, with Christ's arms open, he was waiting for him and he accepted him. We don't have this kind of patience. We ought to try to have this kind of patience. But what great love is this? That, and what great power is this? In the Gregorian liturgy, St. Gregory uh, the Great, 
He expresses this beautifully, and perhaps we all enjoy this part of the liturgy. He says, You have manifested to me the economy of your tender mercy. You have borne the oppression of the wicked. You have given your back to the scourge. Your cheeks you have left open to those who smite. For my sake, O my master, you have not hidden your face from the shame of spitting. So he hasn't turned away from us despite our rebellion and our rejection of him. This is a great power, this power to bear with us in our weakness. Also, um, trusting in God's power and in the power of God is something that is essential for our salvation. We have to believe in the power of God in order for us to be saved. If you think about Scripture and all the miracles that were done, and even in the Gospel of today, every test of faith in Scripture was a test of the person's trust in the power of God. When St. Peter went and he spent all night fishing and caught nothing, and the Lord told him, go cast out into the deep and let's cast your net. He told them, well, we've spent all night and we've caught nothing, but what? At your word, I will cast the net. What is he, what's happening here? He's trusting in the power of God. When he displayed this trust by casting out into the deep, and by the way, in the deep you use fishing poles, you don't use a net. A net is used in shallow water to gather the fish. So despite all of his understanding and wisdom in fishing, he believed in what the Lord said and believed in his power. And because of this, he was bestowed on him a greater power, not to catch a lot of fish, but to catch what? The Lord told him, I will not, no longer will you be a fisher of fish, but a fisher of what? Fisher of men. Far greater. Our father Abraham, when he went to go offer his son Isaac, did he display his belief in the power of God? What was he thinking when he was going? He was waiting all this time for the son of promise, and finally the son of promise came. And God said to him, Abraham, Go offer the one, your only son, the one whom you love, the one whom you're asking for me for all this time, and he's the son of promise. Go offer him as a burnt sacrifice. What is Abraham thinking as he's going up to offer his son Isaac? St. Paul allows us to peer into the heart of Abraham. And he says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from death. So as he's going to offer his son Isaac, he believed that God was able to raise his son up from death. Is this not confessing and believing in the power of God? It is. And he believed in the power of God. How do we respond to the power of God in our life? There are a lot of times in our life where God asks us to give up something. He wants you to give up something for Him. Um, and anytime God asks us to give up something, knowing that He is far more powerful than us, He will never be indebted to us in any way. So when God asks from us anything, to give up something, know that His gift of his power is far greater than what it is that you could acquire or retain for for yourself. For example, perhaps someone or God might tell someone 
I want you to give up a certain bad habit. We might say, but I'm weak and I can't. But he says, no, I am strong. God is able to break the chains that you are not able to break. The bad habit that I have, the bad friends or people that I'm perhaps I put myself around, God is able to break those bonds from you. He is able. We just have to believe in His power and able and willing to work with Him. Perhaps God is telling us to give up a certain um, element of entertainment in order to serve Him. Um, you know, now is football season, and typically football season is they play their games on Sundays. And here in the Central, it's, you know, around noon. Okay? God's saying, okay, I want you to come and I want you to be a servant. Well, God's serving. Uh, if I'm going to be a servant during this time, I'm going to perhaps miss the football game and now I have to attend the servants' meeting as well. Then I'm going to miss most of it. He says, okay, give this up for me. I used to think that way, by the way, and then my team would always lose. And they still always lose. But, you know, I learned and it taught me that at the end of the day, no one really wins except one team. So the likelihood of my team winning is very slim to none. But this is all just, yani, it's fun, but it's it's not worth anything in the end. Um, sometimes, uh, in the, even in the midst of like uh, the sports and things, we get very upset like if our team doesn't win. And perhaps in order to watch these games, we give up or we sacrifice many things. Perhaps we sacrifice our time with our children and we put our children in front of like just devices and let them be exposed to whatever it is that they want to be exposed to. And it could be, and likely it's, it could be very bad. And we're okay with this just so they leave me alone. I shouldn't have much so I can watch the game. We have to be very careful. Imagine how, what God feels or how God would feel. There's a part in Jeremiah chapter 7 where, uh, in his rebuke of the people, um, let me just read it for you and then I'll comment on it. He says what? The children gather wood, the father kindles the fire, and the women need dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven is like the pagan god. So he's saying that the whole family is involved in worshiping this pagan god. The, the children are gathering the wood, the father is, uh, is making the fire, and the mom is cooking to prepare for this, you know, pagan god. To make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke me to anger. So sometimes in our families, we worship some god that we put in front of us. You know, whether it be Something on social media, a device, a sports team, a um, whatever trend that's going on here. We put this in front of us, and we all kind of gather around this, and we could leave God, you know, out of the picture, you know, all together. Finally, um, how can I feel the power of God in my life? And really, just maybe there are more, but maybe one way is when we feel and know of our weakness, when you know our weakness. When the Lord Christ came into Peter's boat and he saw that Christ had power over all of nature and he put in his net the the fish, what was St. Peter's response? He went to the feet of the Lord and he said, Depart from me, 
For I am a sinful man, O Lord. He understood his weakness. He knew that he was weak. He knew that he was a sinful man before the power of God. And this is when he tapped into the power of God, when he knew his own weakness. Remember the story of the centurion who wanted his servant to be healed. He sent a Jewish person to the Lord because he didn't want the Lord to be defiled by coming into his house. So he sent a Jewish man, a servant, to go and ask him to heal his, his servant, his other servant. And the Lord said, okay, no, I'll come to your house. So then he sent one of his own servants and said, no, don't come, for I am unworthy for you to enter into my house. And what happened here? He says, I'm unworthy for you to enter in my house. He knew his weakness. I'm not a holy person. You don't, you don't belong in my house. Just say the word and I know my servant will be healed. So he, he felt that he was weak. And when he felt that he was weak, then he saw the power of God. His servant was healed that very hour. St. Paul, the worker of uh, many miracles and the one who spread Christianity, when it was time that he had an ailment or disease and he wanted God to heal him so he could minister perhaps more effectively. And he says that I asked God three times to heal me. And what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness and in my weakness. Why? Because then when he's working, we give glory to him. Once we think that we are strong, we are good, we are powerful, we are smarter than others, we are better than others, then we lose this, my strength is made perfect in weakness. This is why St. Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong, because he will be with me. We experience his power, my beloved, when we recognize and understand that we are weak. I pray that God allow us to experience our own weakness, so his strength can be the one who works in us. And if we believe and we say, okay, today, Abuna, there is a weakness in my life today. And I want the power of God to come in me and to give me strength over this uh, certain sin. Don't despair. Give over to Him. Oftentimes, that the work of God in us and transforming us took time. It takes time. Be patient. Continue to work and believe in His power and we will be transformed by His grace. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.